friend of mine from way back. He's been here before, but um, my brother in Christ, Charles Mitchell, let's give him a big round of applause. Good morning, Forever Family. How are you? Good morning. Fall is in the air, amen? This is my fourth time here at Hope Church, and I got to tell you, each time uh, I have been blessed, I have been welcomed, my family and I, uh, some of them are here this morning, one of them didn't make it up in time, that's okay, uh, but truly it is an honor to be here with you, to serve God's kingdom, to serve you in this role, uh, bringing God's message. I am a, uh, a student of pastoral care, I am a student uh, in God's arms, and I forever will be. Uh, I still very much moonlight as a pastor at Faith Church in Munster, Indiana. Uh, I am a full-time construction worker currently uh, as I raise my family as we go. And I just got to tell you, uh, hearing that you have called Pastor Ryan and that they are making their trip, I, I was told they might be here this morning. I'm not sure if that is true or not. Uh, regardless, uh, and this is the second time I've been here for your potluck Sunday, and I want to bless you, bless you for making sure that these things fall on these meals because food is definitely one of the pathways towards my heart. Amen? Amen. This morning, we're going to talk about being equipped by the Spirit, and it's so fitting, the worship that you guys do, the way you all love one another, the way you all approach God's throne of grace is so spirit-filled, and I want to bless you for that as well. So much talk of being led by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, fed by the Spirit. It's not that the Spirit in our Reformed tradition gets a bad rap. It's that often he doesn't get a rap at all. And by, what I mean by that is that we often talk about God's holy word. We talk about God, and we talk about his son Jesus. And we hear at Hope Church, we in the Reformed Church, in our Reformed tradition and religion and in our faith, believe in a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But oftentimes the Holy Spirit gets a little suppressed because it's something that you don't see, right? And it's something that, like, you often, it's like, it's got to be this, this, this supernatural thing. And oftentimes, we, that, that gets kind of scary and uncomfortable. I know for myself, growing up in the church, the Holy Spirit was kind of like, okay, I get it, yeah. The Holy Spirit was kind of, in my mind, like, th that conscience that sat on my shoulder. And I had, I had the little thorny conscience on this side, the, the devil conscience, right? The one that said, Charles, go for it, right? And it was never anything good, right? And then I had the Holy Spirit on this side that was like, don't you dare, don't you dare, you know what's going to happen, right? And that was kind of my view of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit does all kinds of amazing things for me and you in this life. The Holy Spirit gives us blessings. The Holy Spirit literally pours himself out on us in blessings. He unites us with one another. The fact that you and I are able to gather this morning in community, in the name of Jesus, the power that we have to do that, to do it as well as we do, even with the pangs, comes from the Holy Spirit. Not only that, the Holy Spirit fills us. He controls us. He guides us. He's that sweet, sweet, gentle voice that says, no, go this way. These are my plans for you. Amen? This morning, we're going to see how the Spirit guides us as we head out into this world. And the scripture this morning literally says spiritual battle. 
specifically spiritual warfare. So I want you to have those words in your mind as we open God's word this morning. We're going to read from a letter from Paul to the Ephesian church. That's Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 10 to 20. And it starts out as so. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it in boldly as I ought to speak. That is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to reiterate, Lord, the words that we just sang, Lord, that you and you alone are worthy of our praise. You and you alone are worthy of our every breath. You give us all things. And as we seek to be equipped by your Holy Spirit, Lord, let your Holy Spirit dwell in this place. Let this Holy Spirit unlock the corners of our hearts that we might grow in you and we might receive your very best for us. We pray these things in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. So Paul this morning is speaking to the Ephesian church. The Ephesian church was a, a coastal port town. And it was very much a mixed bag of people, kind of like it is here in the United States of America. We had a huge... Uh, group of Jewish people that had traditionally settled in Ephesus, right? And then you had Gentiles coming in because, again, it's a port town. So it's like having a train station run through Lowell. Amen? And you have all these different groups of people coming in. And not only that, at the time that Paul was writing this letter, most likely as he was imprisoned in Rome, but he was still allowed to communicate with people and have visitors coming and going. But Paul's very much a prisoner of Rome at this moment. And the Roman Empire was very much a thing in the city of Ephesus at this time. So you had Christians that were very new, a very new concept, a very new culture in comparison to the Jewish culture that had been there for hundreds of years. You had the Roman Empire that was very much bringing in its authority. Not only its authority, but its culture was influencing everybody as well. The Roman culture wasn't a one-God culture brothers and sisters, the Roman culture was a culture that brought all different kinds of gods, and they, they celebrated all different kinds of religious beliefs. And it was kind of like our culture today, and the fact that, like, the, the message that went out to the people was, well, you do you. 
right? You figure out what God is, is going to like feed your fancy, and you just kind of hang on to that. And I'm not going to tell you you're wrong, but don't tell me I'm wrong. And then these Christians come in and say, wait a minute, there's one God, and there's one Savior. His name is Jesus, and he died and he rose again from the dead. And everybody's like, man, that is whack. Why are you coming in here and trying to make all this trouble? And they're like, we're not. But as we all know, brothers and sisters, if somebody brings in something that you don't agree with, it turns your world upside down. Amen? Amen. So that's what's going on in the church in Ephesus. And Paul writes this letter because he's saying, Christians, brothers and sisters, you're having all these flaming darts, like he said in his letter, thrown at you. And the only way that you're going to withstand this the only way that you were going to fight this spiritual battle is with spiritual things. Amen? Spiritual things. So he writes this letter, and he lays them out, and the, the things that he uses to compare the different uh, pieces of armor are not really all that relevant. He's just, he was throwing things down to place one thing to another. Uh, but what we want to concentrate on is what the actual spiritual armor is and what it can do for us. We all can grasp the concept of war, can we not? Everybody in here, no matter what generation you belong to, has lived through a war, is living through a war, has seen war, and there are most likely some war veterans sitting here this morning. Amen? Amen. And if you are there, we thank you for your service, because as our announcer said this morning, what a blessing it is to gather here this morning, and every Sunday morning, and every morning, I hope, in the name of Jesus. We watch movies and TV shows that depict war. My favorite wartime movie, because I grew up pre-Marvel comics, right, was Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris was kind of like the epitome. He was like the man when it came to like fighting war and battle. I see a guy right there like, oh yeah, Chuck Norris. That beard. I wish I could grow a beard like Chuck Norris. My favorite moment, uh, he had this missing in, this missing in action uh, series that, that would come on uh, regular TV once a year, and that was the one night a year my parents let me stay up late to watch Missing in Action. I loved it. And I would sit on the couch with my toy M16, and I'm not advocating for guns, but, you know, and I, and I lived it. And my favorite part of Missing in Action is he would, he would figure out what was going on. He's like, all right, I got to go in the battle. I got to infiltrate the enemy. And he would stand, he'd walk into this hangar, and there'd be this huge table. And there was all these different weapons on the table. He had grenades and bazookas and, you know, nunchucks, because he's Chuck Norris, because he knows karate, too. And he stands at this table, and there's this whole sequence where he's, like, locking and loading, and he's filling his pockets with ammo, and he's getting ready, right? He's getting ready for battle. And that's what the Apostle Paul is asking us to do this morning. The Apostle Paul is saying, hey, you need to identify your opponent, all right? You need to, you need to actually figure out and identify who it actually is that you're fighting against, who this war is against. And then you have to put the necessary armor on to combat that enemy. It's a call to battle. That's what he's doing. Chuck Norris was capable, right? But not on his own. That's why he had to go to that armory and fill himself with all those weapons. On his own, Chuck Norris wouldn't have stood a chance against his enemy. But with the proper armor, he was ready to go. So what do we need? What is the first thing that the Apostle Paul tells the church in Ephesus, but he tells the church in Lowell, Indiana this morning? What do you need? He says, stand strong in the Lord, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Notice that the Apostle Paul doesn't say, go buy a bunch of guns, 
go, oh, back then, go get a bunch of swords and sharpen them as much as you can. Go get a, as many arrows as you can. Go, go get as many, you, you go get as many men as you can. He says, no, the only way you're going to fight this enemy is with the strength of the Lord, not your own strength. Brothers and sisters, in Roman culture, that was, that was whack. In American culture, today, that's pretty whack. Because this world tells us all the strength you need is within. If you want to fight something, or if you want to overcome something, you've got to reach deep down inside and find the strength. But brothers and sisters, the problem with that, cult, that theology is that you don't possess the power on your own to fight anything. Nor do I. So for us to dig deep inside of us, we're going to fail. In order to withstand this enemy that Paul is telling us is alive and well in this world, we have to reach outside of ourselves. And reaching outside of ourselves to the Lord for strength. So it's not our strength. It's an external strength. It's the Lord's strength. Because the Lord wants us to stand and not fall. The Lord doesn't call us into this battle and say, okay, I want you to do this. You don't have the power to do it. No, he, he very much wants us to be victors in this battle. But in order to be victors in the battle, the first thing he says we got to do is we got to actually identify our opponent. Amen? Right? Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's so easy to put a face or a name or a, a human physical entity in front of us and say, this is my opponent. This is my problem. This person is my problem. Right? In my marriage, my spouse, they're, they're the problem. Right? Or in my family conflict, that brother or that sister is my problem. Or maybe it's not a person, maybe it's, it's, it's a circumstance. You know, right now, money is my problem. The reason I'm freaking out and I'm all over the place and I don't have enough faith and I don't think God's got a very best for me, it's because I don't have enough money. So if I could just get that job, or if I could just get that circumstance to change, then everything will be okay. But Paul's saying, wait a minute. That's not what's actually going on here. There's something cosmic happening here. There's something supernatural happening here. It's, it's things that, that, that the unseen that are attacking you in your most vulnerable places. It's a war that rages inside of us. It's a war that rages within the walls of your church, the walls of your home, the walls of your employment, the walls of your relationships. So what does Paul say to do? If it's evil, if it's supernatural, then our armor needs to be supernatural. So verse 11, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. See, the devil's got schemes. He's a schemer. The devil runs around and he accuses. And he throws shame at people. And he throws doubt at us. And he says, you're not good enough. And he says, you're too sinful. And you know what? God knows what you did. And Satan, this isn't a new game for him. He's been doing it since day one, since the very first book, Adam and Eve. God knows what you did. There's no way he's going to forgive you. You should hide. And that's what Adam and Eve did. They hid. And me and you have been hiding ever since. It's a human condition. But guess who went and found Adam and Eve? God. See, God, even in our sin, 
even in our stumbling, even in our unperfectness, even in our, our little faith, the Lord pursues us. So it's not about God pursuing you once you figure it out. It's not that, it's not that you graduate uh, from like spiritual school someday or faith school someday. God pursues us even while we still don't believe in him. Even when we are his foe, the Lord pursues us. And that should be comforting to you this morning. It is to me, because brothers and sisters, I still like to run and hide from God. I still like to chase after Charles is very bad. It never works out for me. Amen? All right. So it's important to identify what our spiritual battles are, where we are currently vulnerable to the enemy's attacks, so that we can be properly equipped. You know, for years for me, where I was most vulnerable was in addiction. I was caught up in such a cycle of addiction for so many years, and the Lord set me free from that once I picked up his armor. Amen? But today, I have other battles going on. Now it's more like fear and pride and my ego and afraid that I'm not keeping up with the Joneses, afraid that, like, Lord, that you call me to things I'm just not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Lord, there's no way that I'm going to accomplish this. And I forget, and I leave him behind me. And I say, I'm going to trudge forward, Lord, but like, let's hope I don't screw up instead of me starting with the Lord. Like we just sang this morning, right? Asking him for my every breath and our every need that he promises to provide. And he's yet, he has yet to not fulfill his promises to me. So what is the enemy's purpose in your battles? It's the same for everyone. It's to trip us up, right? It's to draw our attention, our hearts away from God's goodness. Satan wants us to forget the battle has already been won. He's running around on this earth trying to create chaos and havoc, and he's trying to get us so confused. He wants us to turn on the news every morning and go, there's no way God is winning this. That's what Satan wants to do, that you're a failure, that there's no way forward for you, that there's no way God's going to forgive you, that God's supernatural power isn't even available to you. That are the lies that Satan wants to spread in my life, and in your life, in the lives of your children, and of your friends, and everybody on this earth. My friend Dan, I met him in recovery, actually, years ago. Uh, some of you here know my friend Dan. My friend Dan, for years, struggled with addiction, and he did it silently, and he did it uh, in the dark, where he thought nobody noticed. And in those dark places, it was creating havoc in his life, in his spiritual life, in Dan's marriage, in his family, it was all crumbling down. They kept trying to like strong arm it, because that's what you do, right? Like, I can't let anybody know that I'm struggling with this. So he hit it, and it got worse. So he hit it some more, and it got worse. He hit it some more, and it got worse. Until he hit what we call rock bottom. The beautiful thing about rock bottom, brothers and sisters, though, is that the Lord lets us go there, like he let my friend Dan, like he's let me. Because when we are at our very weakest, when all hope is lost, the only hope shows up. And when we're at our very weakest, there's no way for us to steal any of the glory from God. And I think I've taught on this before here. That's God's purpose. That's his plan. He wants to be fully glorified. And he's going to be, whether we like it or not. <laughs> Amen? Amen? All right. You must you're very vocal this morning. I love it. I love it. You must be really hungry. You're like, all right, Charles, let's go. Let's go. Sorry. 
Just like, just like my story, though, just like everyone else's story, my friend Dan, when he finally let go, and when he finally let God, and he finally took hold of the armor of God, part of which was God's community, right, brothers and sisters? Part of it was saying, church, I need help. Because often when God sends help, he sends it in the form of people. So if you're looking for help in this life, brothers and sisters, but you keep trying to keep people out of the equation, get ready for more pain. Get ready for more sorrow. Because I promise you, God's plan for you includes his body. Amen? All right. So Dan put on God's armor. He put on the spiritual armor for the spiritual battle that is raging inside. It's not political powers. It is not which party is, is currently in government right now. It's not who the president is. And that might be hard to hear for some of us this morning. That is not what's going on. Because God has got it. God says, I'm in control of all of this. And it's all going to lead to me being glorified. It's all going to lead to you being saved. So that's good news. We should all be smiling this morning, not just because of the potluck. <laughs> the spiritual battle. So we, gotta, we, we can stop. We can stop throwing blame. We can stop throwing shame. We can stop uh, pointing fingers because guess who does that? Guess whose scheme that is? Satan. Satan throws the darts. Are we throwing darts, brothers and sisters? Are we wearing those shoes that make us ready for the gospel of peace? The gospel of peace. Are we people that are ready to throw peace at people? We need that spiritual armor, brothers and sisters, just like Dan did, because we're not strong enough to withstand it alone. We don't possess the weapons to fight back like we talked about earlier. God does it, and it's accessible to us because of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is ours. Because of what Jesus did on that cross. You and I, brothers and sisters, are allowed back, if I may, for a moment, into the Garden of Eden, in God's presence, to dwell with him and among him and his people because of Jesus Christ. Satan has no power over you and I anymore because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, we are fully equipped. It's not that we have, okay, I have the Holy Spirit, but I need to go buy some guns. The scripture, God's word this morning says, you don't need guns, you need me. We don't need the Holy Spirit and the right political party to be in charge. I can say all these things because it might be my last time here, so. <laughs> you don't need both. You need God. And the way God gives himself to us in this life, in the way of help, is the Holy Spirit. Spirit, verse 13 of our text. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So what do we need to stand firm as we wrap this up? What is the armor of God? The belt of truth. The belt of truth. Clinging to the truth. Are you a person of truth? Ask yourself that. Do I cling to the truth? Do you live the life of a hypocrite? Or one that clings, that holds tight to God's truth? whether it's popular or not? What is the rhythm of your life? These are all internal questions now, right? This is where you don't, you don't, don't look to your neighbor, you look to yourself. The breastplate of righteousness. 
doing the right thing. And I have news for you. If you're trying to do the right thing on your own, you're not doing the right thing. We call this in, in our Reformed theology an imputed righteousness, a righteousness that is Jesus Christ. Only he lived a perfect life. So only his righteousness will do, and he offers us that righteousness. I hide. Charles Mitchell hides behind God's righteousness, not his own. It's his righteousness. The shoes and the readiness for the gospel of peace, being ready for it. Peace allows us to withstand and be ready for the challenges of this life. Not weapons, not mean words, not slander, not gossip, but peace. What is in your heart this morning, brothers and sisters? Is it peace? What is your posture towards your neighbor? What is your posture towards your spouse this morning as you prepared for church? Towards that child that seems to be going astray? Or that neighbor that doesn't agree with you or that enemy that slanders you do you want to get back at them or do you pray peace over them in the name of Jesus are you ready with peace or with hatred the shield of faith that puts away flaming darts we call this the pew I, I heard a sermon one time from John Piper and he called it the pew pews of life you know if, if you let your mind wander for a moment, but, you know, you have the, 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 uh, the sci-fi gun, the pew, 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 you know, like Star Trek, yeah? There's got to be a few Star Trekkies out there, right? Yeah? Okay. No one's going to admit that. <laughs> but the pew pews of life, what are the pew pews of your life right now? My family and I have been uh, comforted by faith through the pew pews of life in recent times. I've shared with you already, I'm pretty sure I have, I was going back through my notes this weekend, but uh, we suffered a, uh, a loss in our home uh, this past couple of years. We had a, a garage burnt down, and there was great uh, monetary loss there. A lot of all my, my precious tools and my fishing poles and like all these things that I held so dear were suddenly gone overnight. And beyond that, there was the construction, and I, I'm very much aware that this is a first world problem. Please have grace for me. Uh, but I'm human, right? Like you. Like you. And we used to love, we love, sit, one of our favorite summertime things to do is to sit out on our deck, and my wife has a beautiful garden that she tends to, and the trees, and the, we have some chickens that run around. I don't like those so much, but, and uh, they're messy. And uh, we, we, we just love, you know, I come home from work, or a Saturday afternoon, or a Sunday afternoon, we come home and share a meal together, just sit and have a glass of iced tea, and just enjoy the backyard. But this year was different, because this year, I stand outside my backyard, and I see this half-burnt garage, and, and then we had to backfill the yards, so we have no grass this year. And there's just everywhere I turn, in this favorite place of mine, this place of solace for me and peace, all of a sudden became this place of chaos. And I found myself doubting God's goodness, even in this, this simple monetary thing. Lord, have mercy. Like, God, is this your best for me? Lord, this is chaos. I work hard. I try to be an honest person. I... You know, I try to live for you and serve you. And is this, how can this be, Lord? Why would, of all, like, there's a million people in my neighborhood that deserve this more than me, <laughs> right? <laughs> Lord, have mercy. But the Lord in his goodness comforts us. And as we put on the spiritual armor and we stay in his word, 
and we stay in fellowship with him. Look, brothers and sisters, we stay in fellowship with his people. People that have consistently through this season reminded us, Charles, it's a garage, dude. Get over it. <laughs> right? But look out of all the blessings you have. Five beautiful, healthy children. One of them's not here. <laughs> a wonderful, beautiful wife that loves me and supports me. Friends that hold me accountable. Amen. Then you got the helmet of salvation. Having assurance in your head, looking up to heaven. Not to Fox News, not to CNN, not to whatever your poison is, brothers and sisters. But where do you look for your comfort? Because if you need peace in your life, you need to go to the author and the, the provider of peace. And that's Jesus. And we have that access to him. And we have the Holy Spirit that dwells in us to provide that peace for us. And then finally, the sword of the Spirit. Offense is the word of God. That's our offense, is the word of God. It's inspired by God to fight back. Jesus used this tactic in the desert. Jesus went into the desert for 40 days <laughs> with no food or water. And Satan came. The Lord, God allowed, his heavenly father allowed Satan to come and tempt him. And Jesus did not pick up a sword. Jesus did not hurl accusations at him. Jesus did not call him stupid or all kinds of, I'm not going to use the words we use today, right? He didn't blame Satan for his situation either. His offense was God's holy word. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, who is God? That is what Jesus did. That's what he modeled for you and I, and that's what he offers us today. We are not capable of putting on this armor and this strength, brothers and sisters. Paul knew that. Paul knew it for himself. Paul was one of the most amazing figures in the Bible. I'm not comparing him to Jesus, but he, like, he was one of the founders of the church. He's one of the reasons we are here this morning worshiping in Lowell, Indiana. In Romans 7, this is what Paul thinks of himself. I do what I do, don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. Oh, what a wretched man that I am. Paul knew that his hope was in Christ, brothers and sisters. He knew it wasn't the strength that dwelled within him. He knew who he was without Christ. He knew who he was without the armor, which is the Holy Spirit. That's why all these pieces of armor are bound up and available because of what we read in verse 18. So you ready for verse 18? Pray in all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. How do we get access to this armor how do we tap in to God's armory? Through prayer, through consistent prayer, through, in, through dwelling in his presence at all times. So what does it mean to pray in the spirit? It, this is what it's not. Praying in the spirit is not speaking in tongues. It's not wordy. It's not articulated. It's not, you know, I love it when we, we try to pray in public and like, I've done it myself, and it's like, okay, I'm in front of Pastor Andy this morning, and I have to pray. i got to make sure I use some really cool words. i really got to, like, beef myself up. It's not about me, and it's not about you. It's about a conversation. If uh, Fathers out there, imagine if your son came to you or your daughter came to you, and they wanted to talk to you, and it was something really important they wanted to talk to you about. And all of a sudden, you sit down, and all right, like, let's hear it. And they start talking, like, words that you've never even heard of before. 
And all of a sudden you're like, this is not my son, this is not my daughter, this is, this is not the person I know. You're trying to be somebody that you're not. I know what I would say to my kids. I would say, hey, if you want to have a serious conversation, use real dialogue with me. Talk to me like the way I created you, <laughs> right? Don't try to be somebody you're not. Be who I made you to be. So use normal words, amen? It's not what we are capable of praying in our own giftedness or ability. It's not about us. It's about him. This is what, the Holy, this is what it is, the Holy Spirit alive in us, giving us hearts to pray, words to pray, the desire to pray for what God wants and has for us, transformational. It is refining. When is the last time you said, Lord, Father God, Papa, I don't know what I want. And I don't know what you want from, Lord, I don't, I don't know where I'm going. What's this all about? Guide me. Lead me. Impute your desires into my heart so that I can live for you and with you. It's communal. As we make supplication for all the saints, you know, Paul asked for prayers for boldness to proclaim the gospel. You know, he's like the, one of the boldest people in the Bible. Yet he understood that his boldness came from the Lord. It was a supernatural boldness that Paul had. He didn't rely on his own strength. So whose strength are you relying on? That's the question to ask yourself this morning. As you go out into this world, into the marketplace of life, whose strength are you relying on? Yours or the Lord's? I have a few helpful tools for us as we close this up. I call it the ABCs and Ds of spiritual prayer. These are not mine. I borrowed this from somebody. But the A is admit that we can't pray on our own strength or merit. Just admit it. Admit it to God. He already knows. B is believe in God's promises and power. You can actually, you know, even in your unbelief, you can say, all right, I'm going to test God on this. I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to see if after I'm done trusting him in this, if he's worth trusting anymore. You're allowed to do that. See, cry out for his name to be honored. Lord, I'm not going to pray well. I'm not going to do this right. But Lord, I know that you have grace for me. And I know, Lord Jesus, that you're going to clean this up on its way up to him. But Lord, I want you to be honored in the way that I pray. Lord, I want you to be honored in the things I pray for. Amen? Indeed, do it all the time. Do it all the time for all things, for all the saints, not just for your needs, not just for the needs for the people in front of you. But, Lord, there's people out there that are serving you, and I don't know what they need, but then I know it includes you. So, Lord, wherever they are, whether it's China, Afghanistan, Russia, Ukraine, Lord, your people are scattered all across this earth. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that you'd be glorified from nation to nation in every tongue. And if you don't know how to pray this, here's the... Here's the thing I want you to walk away with the most this morning when it comes to prayer, praying in the Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you pray. It's literally that simple. Lord, help me to pray. Help me to pray. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, we give you thanks. We praise your name, Lord. We understand, Lord, that none of this is possible without you. You've called us into this great battlefield, Lord, where you're already the victor. And you go before us, and you fight for us. And you leave us with nothing simpler than to love one another, and to love our enemies as ourselves, and to pray for one another. Lord, fill this place with your Holy Spirit. Keep overflowing it 
as Hope Church, as a new pastor comes on board, Lord, as they go out into this community to spread that love and that good news and that peace to these people here in Wall, but in this whole world. We ask these things, Lord, not because we're deserving of it, but you freely give it. Let that produce joy in us. And let us be led in that joy. In Jesus' name.